because today I want to uh, I want to just uh, share a message that I was actually going to share last Sunday. Okay, and um, man, it's been an interesting couple weeks now, hasn't it? You know, it seems like just a couple weeks ago our kids went to camp. Uh, Pastor Zach is with us this morning. We we're doing BGMC and Kids Church, so he's with us this morning. He took some kids to camp and had a fantastic time. And, we love camps. By the way, just one final time, I want to say thank you to all of you that help sponsor, all of you that help with fundraisers that allowed our kids to go to camp because God does great things at camp. So thank you, thank you, thank you. But it seemed like just a week or two ago, our kids went to camp. And then um, then just about a week ago, our, our sweet sister, Valley Barrio, went to bed on Monday night and she woke up in heaven on Tuesday morning. And uh, we had a memorial service for her last Saturday. And and by the way, I would sign up for that right now, okay? If I could go to bed after I turn 80, okay, anytime after 80, okay, I'd like to put it off for a few more years, okay? But anytime after 80, if I go to bed one morning and wake up and have a Nick sign me up right now, okay? That's good, right? Uh, we'd all want to do that. You know what's amazing? And Brother Bernie, you would echo this. She'd been telling us that's what she was going to do. She said, one day I'm going to go to bed and I'm going to wake up in heaven. Wouldn't you know, that's exactly what that sweet lady did. But thank you for praying for the family. Thank you for reaching out. Thank you for ministering so very, very much. And, and then, of course, Barry. Hurricane Barry or Tropical Storm Barry, whatever they decided to call that thing. But I tell you what, that thing's been called a lot of things. Some of those things I can't say in church, okay? But it's, uh, it's, it was a frustrating little storm for being so weak, huh? I mean, you know, back in the day, Chris, it had to be a real hurricane for us to worry about it. But now that, I don't know, we flood with two inches of rain and, and the water is already high and we get a little wind and we get a little rain. And Mary was just so, so frustrating. And uh, as I was praying and preparing for the arrival of Barry, like so many of us were, we were checking our generators and... and um, by the way, Donald, thank you for fixing the generator a month ago, okay? Because how, how many of you guys went to fool with your generator and it didn't work? Yeah? Anybody? Okay. Yeah. Sorry, Greg. Okay. But, but again, I'm really, really glad that I tried it like a month or two ago and it didn't work then. But, you know, when, when you're not in a rush, you got plenty of time to fix it. And uh, thank you for that generator working. Because how many know in South Louisiana, you need air conditioning? Man, I, I don't know about you, but, but we need air conditioning. And when the power goes out, we don't have air conditioning, and that's no fun. But as I was praying and preparing for the arrival of Barry, I believe the Lord led me to this portion of Scripture that I'm going to talk to you about today. And it's from the Sermon on the Mount, and it deals with worry. It deals with worry. Now, I know some of you in here don't think worry is a bad thing. You, that, that's my job. I worry about my family. Well, guys, I think after today's message, you'll realize that's not your job, okay? In fact, worry gets you nowhere, okay? It's like getting on a stationary bike. You might burn some calories. You might, you might spend some time working and work up a sweat, but you will go nowhere. Worry takes you nowhere. So those of you that say, my job is to worry for your family, I want you to change that today. I want your job to be to pray for your family, okay? Because worry is a whole lot of energy and it gets you nowhere. Prayer, on the other hand, requires a little bit on our part, but it gets you everywhere. Amen? So today, I just want to share with you a few thoughts from Matthew chapter number 6 on worry. Now, prior to the arrival of Barry, there was plenty of this undesired commodity going around, huh? It seemed like every time we watched the weather, it got worse, okay? They said we'd have 10 inches of rain. Oh, wait a second. In that one little area, which they kept putting over us for some reason, <laughs> there are going to be 20-plus inches of rain. I 
crazy. Now, I do realize the national media kind of kind of blew this whole thing up a little bit, you know, but, but again, there was a lot, there was a lot of worry, a lot of anxiety going on, and, and, um, and I believe that the Lord doesn't want us to live like that. I got to brag on Sister Eloise a little bit. I was calling before the storm got to just check on people, and, and I asked Sister Eloise, does she need some sandbags? She's like, no, nah, don't do that. I said, well, have you ever got water in your house? Yeah. Oh, wait a second. You got my attention, okay? Because if you get water sometimes, hey, maybe you need some sandbags. This is what this sweet lady told me, okay? I'm bragging on her because we need to all act like this. She said, help me get this right. I walked around the house. I anointed it, and I prayed, and I'm going to my friend's house. Is that pretty much what you did? Okay. Didn't put any sandbags up. Didn't, didn't do all the other crazy things that we all did in the neighborhood. Just start, oh, <laughs> you picking on Greg again. Started the generator, okay? But, but, but here's the deal, guys. She was just going to trust God. And you know what? That's really the antidote to fear, worry, and anxiety now, isn't it? You can worry about stuff, and you can, you can keep yourself up at night, and then you just wake up in the morning really tired. Or you can just simply do like Sister Eloise did and trust Guys, I want to challenge you today that we've got to trust God more. Amen? Those of us, there are some of us in here that are really good at trusting God. There are some of us that really need help trusting God. But no matter which group you may be in, you still need to trust Him more. Okay? Guess what? Bernie and Annalie Digger need to trust God today more than ever before. Hunter and Hayden Seneca need to trust God today more than ever before. Garland Thomas needs to trust God today more than ever before. So really, this message may be about fear, worry, and anxiety, but it's really about trusting God more. Amen? If you have your Bibles today, turn with me to Matthew chapter number 6. I'm going to pray, and then we'll read the Word of God together. Lord, I just ask right now that you'd speak to our hearts. That God, you would encourage us, and you would activate our faith. And you would help this Word of God to change our lives, God. God, forgive us for being worry warts. Forgive us, Lord God, for doing everything but trusting you. Help us today to, to trust you a little more. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody would say, Amen. Matthew chapter number 6, I'm going to begin reading with verse number 25. I'm going to read down through verse 34. Let's look at it together. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. These words are in red. Jesus said them, so let's pay attention to them. Jesus says, therefore, now whenever we see the, the word therefore, we need to see what he said before that, okay? Now the Sermon on the Mount is an amazing, amazing teaching, but in preceding what Jesus is about to talk about, he talked about giving, he talked about prayer, in fact, he taught us the model prayer, taught us the Father's prayer, taught us about the importance of forgiveness, taught us about fasting, and then in verses 19 through 24, he talked about wealth and materialism, talked about stuff, okay? How many like stuff? By the way, we all like stuff, okay? Some of you have too much stuff. How many husbands think your wives have too much stuff? Tom, don't you look at me. Okay? <laughs> you know, we, we, we have stuff, don't we, okay? When we have too much stuff, we get a storage unit so we can store our stuff, okay? Nick, you got a lot of stuff, don't you? Okay? You got some family members with a lot of stuff. Washington tail's glaring at you right now, okay? <laughs> we all have stuff, okay? Well, Jesus taught a little bit about stuff. And then he began to teach about fear and worry. Let's read about it. Verse number 25, Jesus said, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, 
nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor they gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto your stature? And why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today is, and tomorrow cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. Let me say that again. Your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. God knows what you need. God knows what's going on in your life. Verse number 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. God knows what you're going through. God knows what you have need of. God knows your bills. God knows your situation even better than maybe you know your situation. And he wants to remind us today, don't worry. Trust me. Reminds me of a a song that we're going to play just a, a few moments of, because I'll be honest with you, it's one of those songs that is aggravating, okay? It's not the little shark song. How many have heard the little shark song? I, I heard that on the radio this week, and that is annoying, okay? This is not that annoying, but for some of you that are my age and older, you will remember this song. So, Donna, why don't you cue this song up? It goes by the words of, don't worry, be happy. How many remember this song? Okay. By the way, listen to the words, because it's actually got a, a decent little message here. said, in this life, you will have trouble. You know that, right? He said that. So those of you that are looking for the trouble-free trip through through life, it doesn't work that way, okay? But you know what else Jesus said after he said, in this life, you will have trouble? But be encouraged, I have overcome this world. Amen? So you know what? It says, in this life, you might have trouble, but when you worry, you make it double. Don't worry. Be happy. 
So today I want to challenge you today. Let's uh, let's stop worrying. Let's start trusting God, and let's watch God come through on our behalf. So let's look at each one of these verses and break them down just a little bit. The first part of verse number 25, the Bible says, Therefore I say unto you, this is Jesus talking again, Take no thought for your life what you shall eat, what you shall drink. You see, you and I as believers are not to worry about necessities, our food, our drink, our body, our clothing. The words take no thought means do not worry, don't be anxious, don't be overly concerned and caring. In fact, the counsel is given three times in this portion of Scripture. Guys, here's the deal. When Jesus repeats himself, it's not because, it's not for his benefit. It's for ours. Okay? How many as parents ever had to repeat yourself to your children? That would be all of us. Okay? If you, if you know me, my nickname growing up was Tet That means hard head. Okay? That means you had to repeat things to me. Now, you're all laughing because you're hard heads too. Okay? And apparently mankind's been hard-headed for a long, long time. It's not just you, Coop. Okay? It's all of us. Okay? Because three times Jesus, who's talking to his disciples, talking to folks who are trying to believe, guys, stop worrying. Stop worrying. Guys, mankind's been struggling with this for thousands of years. Okay? And Jesus says it's really simple. Don't, don't worry about the necessities of life. I got this. Okay? The Lord wants to tell some of you today, he got this, okay? But he repeats himself three times just to try to get the point across to us. You see, what Jesus is talking about here is about being preoccupied with the material possessions of life. How many fall into the trap of centering their mind and their thoughts, their energy and their efforts on the necessities of of life. A believer, you and I, again, this is a message to believers. This is a message to folks that know Jesus Christ. A believer is not to be wrapped up and entangled in the affairs of this world. He's not to be groping for more and more and wanting more and more. He's supposed to seek the kingdom of God. You see, guys, when we're seeking the kingdom of God, there's nothing to worry about. When we're trusting God in every area of our life, there leaves very, very little room for worry. But how many times do we run to and fro? We try to we try to get that promotion at work. We try to make that other sale. We try to get all of our ducks in a row. And we're just filling our minds with worry and anxiety. Jesus is warning against that. Jesus is also talking about being so wrapped up in securing things that we become anxious, disturbed, sleepless at night. Being focused on the things of the world keeps a person from walking in the fullness and the enjoyment of life. Worry and anxiety. Worry and anxiety cause stress. And stress can cause serious health problems, ranging from sleepless night to ulcers, high blood pressure, even heart attacks. Guys, look. If you don't know Jesus, you have reason to be stressed, okay? But if you know Jesus Christ... You and I should have a way to deal with stress. And I'm not talking going to the gym, even though it's nice to go to the gym. We need to cast our cares on the Lord, amen, knowing that he cares for us. So Jesus is telling us right here, don't worry about the things in life. Don't worry about this. Don't become so entangled with the affairs of this earth that you forget about eternity. Because, guys, we're just passing through, amen? The Bible says that we get 70, maybe 80 good years, okay? Guys, eternity is forever. The decisions we make during this lifetime affect eternity. So let's focus on eternity. 
the command, and I use that word strongly. You see, sometimes we think this is a suggestion, okay? Jesus was not making a suggestion, okay? In fact, when Jesus spoke, it was so much more than a suggestion, okay? It's a command. The command is clear. We as believers should not worry. We are to be consumed with God and not things. Let me say that again. We are to be consumed with God and not things. We are to seek God first and serve Him and our fellow man. Then the necessities, and in some cases even more, will be added unto you. Again, the real crux of this message is found in Matthew 6 and 33, but we're getting there. Now let's look at the second portion of Matthew 6 and 25. Jesus continues by saying, nor yet for your body, which you shall put on. Is not the light more than meat and the body more than raiment? You see, again, Jesus is now telling us, don't worry about your life and body. The point is clear and striking. A person's life and body are of more value, much more value than what we eat and what we put on. Why then should a person allow these things, secondary things, to consume and dominate their life? So many people fall for that. A person can eat and wear only so much at a time. Enough is enough. More than enough is too much. Too much means that a person is consuming it upon his lusts. His life is being dominated by instead of dominating the things of the world. Again, guys, it's all about what we focus on, okay? We get consumed with stuff, okay? We get consumed with what it's all about. Guys, it's really all about Him. It's all about our faith in Him. It's all about putting God first. A couple things for us to think about. Number one. The point of this message, don't worry. Think about your life and body and learn to trust God for food and for clothing and in every area of your life. Concentrate your mind and effort upon your life and your body, not upon stuff. Secondly, the point is simple and clear. Life means more than just things, even more than food and clothing. You know, the most important things in life can't be bought. Amen? Some of the most important things in life are your family, the relationships that you have, your relationship with the Lord, and then your relationship with others. The most important thing, life is not made up of stuff, okay? We make it about stuff. This world tries to make it about stuff, but Jesus is trying to clear clear our thought process so we realize it's about Him. The Bible says this in Matthew 16, 25, and 26. Whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The answer is obviously nothing. John, there is nothing in this world worth giving up our soul for. There's no kind of stuff that can take the place of a relationship with Jesus. Amen? And that's really what it's all about. You and I as believers need to stop worrying and put our full faith and trust in the Lord. Here's the problem, though. We're in a world of materialism. This world is all about stuff. And materialism, worldliness, possessions, can enslave a person to such a degree that it dominates his or her life. James said it this way in James chapter number 4, verses 1 through 4. Let me read it to you. James chapter number 4, verses 1 through 4. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? You lust and you have not. You kill and you desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight. 
fight and war, yet you have not, because you ask not. Let me repeat that. Some of you are wondering, has God forgot about me? No, you have not, because you ask not. We need to learn to ask the Lord in every area of our life, okay? We have not, because we ask not. You ask and you receive not because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lust. You adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Well, that's heavy stuff, isn't it? Or James didn't pull no punches, did he? He told us that we need to focus on the important things. And the important things are things that really matter. Yeah, I preached a message about a year ago, a hundred years from now. That was just a thought that the Lord dropped in my heart that what really matters a hundred years from now. You see, that kind of helps us put things in perspective. One hundred years from now, every one of us in here will be dead and gone. Okay, let that sink in. Don't care how good you help coach you. Don't care how much you work out, Ronnie. I don't care how much you run. You will be dead and gone, bro, a hundred years from now, okay? You know, the aging app is kind of a big thing right now, huh? The funniest thing, I think Zach showed me this. And by the way, Zach, our children's pastor, is the craziest person with Facebook memes, okay? He comes up with the crazy stuff. But it says, I did the aging app, and it showed a gravestone. <laughs> okay? Now, now that's a little bit morbid, but guess what? A hundred years from now, that's how our aging app is going to look. We're all going to be gone, okay? What really matters a hundred years from now? Does it really matter that you had a you you had a few words with with your son or daughter? Does it really matter that maybe things weren't hunky dory at work? Does it really matter if you had a good day or a bad day on Monday morning? No. What really matters are spiritual things. What really matters is how's your walk with the Lord. What really matters is are you a man or a woman of faith? That's what really really matters. So guys, when it comes to this teaching on worry, let's think big picture. The enemy wants us to worry about the little stuff. The enemy wants us to worry about Monday morning. No, let's worry about Monday morning 100 years from now. What really matters? When we begin to think about that, we realize that trusting God is what it's all about. Let's move on to verse number 26. He he begins to give us some examples. Verse 26. Behold the fowls of the air. For they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than them? The first thing that he does, he uses the example of the birds. He said, consider the birds, consider the fowls of the air, okay? Doesn't God take care of them? They don't work, they don't labor, but God takes care of them. How much more would he take care of you? Amen? Again, guys, this should encourage you. This should encourage those of you that are worrying, those of you that are trying to figure all this out. God takes care of the birds. He takes care of his creatures. How much more will he take care of his children? Amen? You see, you and I are so much better than birds. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that we have been created in God's own image. Genesis 1.27. Okay, the Bible says, God so created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female, he created us. And you and I are children of God, okay? God has created the birds and the animals, but we are, but he's our father. He's our father. The Bible says this in Romans chapter number 8. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit bears witness. 
our spirit that we are the children of God. Guys, we are God's children. But you know what the problem is here in the church today, in the church in general? There is an orphan spirit in the church. What does that mean? You don't act like a child. You know what, guys? I've got two boys that are sitting on that third row, fourth row. I can't count, okay? Those of you that play golf with me know I can't count, okay? Play, that's sitting on the fourth row over there that are my children. They're my boys, okay? Look, they mean more to me than anybody else in this world. Why? Because I'm their dad, okay? Now, you mean the world to me as well, but you're not my children. There's something special about being a child. Okay? One day when I breathe my last, I'd love to see you come in the room, Nick, but I'm looking for those two. Okay? I mean, look, I want to be, they're my children. They, They have a relationship with me that is special. And guys, God wants that kind of relationship with every one of you here today. But the enemy is trying to sabotage that. The enemy is trying because we didn't have a good relationship with our earthly father, or we had a poor relationship with our earthly mother. We think God acts like that. He doesn't. Amen? I, I, I just got to say this. I rebuke the orphan spirit in the name of Jesus. I believe that a church that can start to act like children of God will be a church that's unstoppable. If we'll start to recognize who we are and whose we are, all of a sudden we begin to walk in authority and walk in power that only a child can walk in. Amen? Now look, it doesn't just stop there. Not only are you a child of God, but the Bible says you're an heir of God. There is something coming your way. Let me read it to you. Romans 8 and 16 and 17. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God join heirs with Christ. If so be we suffer with Him, we may be also glorified together. Guys, children have Children get inheritance from the Father that other people don't get. Amen? You may have seen the new car in our parking lot, okay? It is Hayden's new car. We may have made a mistake. We got him a Chevy Camaro, okay? And it's a very distinctive-looking Camaro. It is yellow and black. It looks like a bumblebee. In fact, it looks like the movie Bumblebee, okay? Now, if you see him driving by you a little quickly... Go ahead and text me like somebody already has. It's okay, okay? But by the way, he has already told me, Jared, there's somebody else with a car just like him. Now, I don't know if I truly believe him. He might just be doing that to deflect that. He might just be wanting to say, there's somebody else driving like that, okay? By the way, I also got to tell you, every now and then I'll take his car, and if I pass you, I can't wait for somebody to text me and go, hey, you don't know how to drive. The good news is it's tinted windows. You can't tell if it's me or him, okay? <clears throat> Why did I tell you this story? The reason he was able to get that car is um, my dad, when he passed away, he, he left an inheritance to my boys, okay? And I'm using that as an example. Guys, in, in, in the world, we leave an inheritance to our children. God the Father is so much better. He's got an inheritance that has got your name on it. He's got blessings that have your name on it. He has breakthrough that has your name on it. But you have to recognize that you're a child and you're entitled to it. And the orphan spirit tries to rob that from you. But when you realize that you're a child of God, Marcus, all of a sudden it changes everything. When you realize that you're a child of God, you have access to God. You have an access.
access to just a plethora of blessings. Why? Because you're his boy. You're a child. You are an heir. There is something with your name on it. Now we got to start acting like it. But the church doesn't realize it. If there's one thing that could come out of this message today, Lord, open up our eyes to see who we are and what we are entitled to. Amen? Because until we start acting like children, we're going to miss out on the best things that God has for us. And so many times we miss out on that because of fear and worry. Again, Jesus tells us, do not worry. Consider the birds of the air. Trust God no matter what. Verse number 27. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Hayden, this one's for you, bro. Okay? Hayden is a five foot eleven and a half. Okay? Yeah, he just went to a combine and they gave him an extra half inch. Five foot eleven and a half, two hundred and five pound linebacker, who I believe is going to be all state. He is going to be, no offense, Keon, the best defensive player that Burrock High School has. Okay? Keon may be really fast, but he can't do a lot when he gets there. Okay? When Hayden gets there, he gets there with an attitude. By the way, it's kind of funny. Keon's not here today. That's what happens when you miss. I talk about you. Okay? By the way, I don't do that to any of y'all. Okay? Watch the Facebook. You'll see that I do. Okay? But here's the deal. I'll tell you this story because Hayden really wants to play football at the next level. But the one thing he's got going against him is not that he can't run, not that he's not real strong, but he's not six foot tall. Yeah, Coop, you, you know this, right? Okay. If he was six foot two, everybody would know him. Everybody would want him, okay? But because he's not, so you know what I always tell him? I said, son, control the controllables. Can you do anything about your height? Nope, not one thing, okay? But he can control everything else. You see, the Bible, again, is telling you, control the controllables. Do what you can do. I'm reminded of a great word by our former uh, uh, superintendent, Cecil Janway. I pastored the church that he founded in the Zalmans, and he used to say this, pray like only God can and work like only you can. Let that sink in. We need to pray and we believe that only God can work it out. And then we need to work our tail off like only we can work it out. When you put those two things together, you cannot be stopped. And Jesus is trying to teach us, pray and believe like only I can, because I can. And then do your part. Amen? So guys, stop worrying. That's not our part. Okay? We shouldn't worry about things we can't control. Control the controllables. Jesus is teaching, can you worry and add one inch to your height? No. It doesn't work like that. Just trust God. Amen? But so many times we get caught up worrying about things that we have no control over. Let me add this. There's a strong challenge in this message to to be content with our condition in life. You see, contentment is a sign of maturity in Christ, okay? You know what, guys? It's, how many of you have ever seen a two-year-old throw a tantrum? You ever had a two-year-old, and, and, and you're walking down the, 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 the toy aisle, or how many hate that they put all the candy by the register, okay? You, you've got your kids through the toy aisle, you think you made it out of Walmart, and then next thing you know, right at kid level is Reese's Pieces, Okay? Mom, i got to have this, okay? Guys, it's one thing to watch a two-year-old throw a tantrum because they're not content, they want something. But I've watched 52-year-olds throw tantrums. 
It's not here, it's becoming. Okay? I've watched some of you throw tantrums. My wife has watched me throw one or two, okay? But guys, we've got to learn contentment. That is a sign of maturity in Christ. You see, guys, consider what Paul said. Paul said in Philippians chapter number 4, we all know Philippians 4.13, right? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We love that scripture, right? Did you know the context of that scripture is contentment? The context of that scripture is uh, uh, being trusting of God. Let me read it to you, Philippians 4.11-13. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, Paul says, in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, guys, it's a sign of maturity when we learn godly contentment. Look at verses 28 through 30, and I'm almost done. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow and they toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is here today, gone tomorrow, shall he not so much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Again, he gives the example of the lilies of the valley. He, de- he gives the example of all the beautiful things that we get to see. But there's one little phrase I want to focus in on. Oh, you of little faith. Jesus said that thing very often. He said that many times to his disciples. He says that to maybe you and I today. It can mean one of two things. It can mean, number one, it can be a challenge to strengthen a person's faith. Christ could be saying, your faith is small right now. Believe, trust, strengthen, and enlarge your faith. I care about you. I'll provide for you. Just trust me. Some of us, that's us today. Our faith is growing. Our faith is, is, is activated. But for some of us, it could be a rebuke because a person's faith is so very weak. God would be saying, you're worrying. You're overly anxious. Therefore, you are displeasing and disappointing me. God knows what you have need of. Quit being distrustful and, and being full of so much anxiety. Turn from the world and turn to me. Again, guys, I can't answer that question. I don't know which one it describes, but I want to be the one that's going to trust him more. I want to be the one that has growing faith, that has faith that's being developed. You know, honestly, what the antidote to fear, worry, and anxiety is, it's trusting God. It's doing like Sister Eloise did a week ago when Barry was bearing down on us. I'm going to pray, I'm going to believe, and I'm going to go, I'm just going to leave it in God's hand. And he came through for her, and he'll come through for you Amen? I'm almost done. Verses 31 and 32. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewith shall we be clothed? For all things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. Again, guys, the takeaway right there is, God knows what you need. God knows your needs. God knows what you're going through. God knows your bills. God knows everything in your life. But you have to trust Him. And in verse 33, the great promise of Matthew 6 and 33. After all this teaching on worry, all this teaching on anxiety, Jesus says, but seek ye first. Everybody say first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all, say all, 
And all these things will be added unto you. You see, instead of worrying, seek first the kingdom. Trust God. Instead of trusting yourself or trusting what you're trying to figure out, trust God. The word seek means to go after, to pursue, to desire, to, to endeavor to get. The believer's life is not to be preoccupied with material things, but we are to seek first the kingdom of God. And God promises when you seek Him first, He'll take care of everything else. See, it really speaks to priorities. You've heard me say this before. I, I have a priority list in my life, and it's based on Matthew 6 and 33. My number one priority is my relationship with God. Okay? When your relationship with God is right, everything else seems to work out pretty good. But how many know when your relationship with the Lord gets awry, everything else doesn't work too good? Okay? When, when your vertical relationship goes bad, your horizontal relationships begin to stink as well. Okay? You think it's a problem between you and your wife. It's really a problem between you and Jesus. Amen? Some of you think it's a problem with you and your boss. No, it's a problem with you and Jesus. When we keep things right with Jesus, everything else seems to work itself out. But God is telling us when we seek Him first, everything else will work itself out. Guys, think about this great truth right here. There are two ways for you to go through life. One way is working and seeking in your own strength, depending upon your own ability and energy, fighting and struggling to make it through life and fretting and worrying about succeeding. You can do that. A lot of people do. Or secondly, you can work and seek in both God's strength and in one's own strength, trusting and acknowledging God while doing all he can, putting one hand to the plow and working and working and not looking back, but trusting God for the results. It's kind of like Brother Janway said. You work like only you can. You pray like only God can. When you put that together, you cannot fail. Amen? You see, guys, we are all spiritual beings. Therefore, the only way for us to ever be satisfied is to seek God first. But people are trying to fill that God-sized hole with so many other things, huh? We try to fill it with relationships. We try to fill it with drugs. We try to fill it with things that are going to leave us lacking. We've all been there. We've all tried that. But guys, every one of us have a God-sized hole in our heart. It can only be filled with God. Amen? It can only be filled by seeking Him first. Amen? But again, if you wouldn't mind coming back and beginning to play just softly for a few minutes, please. I close with... One final verse. Jesus kind of wraps things up by telling us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Then he says, take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. You see, guys, at the end of the day, worrying about tomorrow will not change a thing. Okay? It won't add one inch to your height. It, it, it won't add one day to your life. It will do nothing. Trusting God will do you and I as believers are to seek God's kingdom and his righteousness today, leaving tomorrow in the hands of the one who holds tomorrow. You know, I've heard it said that we may not know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. Amen? And the same God who holds today holds your tomorrow. Amen? And he's going to take care of you if you trust in him. I close with a couple promises. Paul told us in Philippians chapter number 4, verse number 6 and 7, be careful for nothing. Don't worry about it. 
But in everything, say everything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. One final promise in 1 Peter 5 and 7, casting all your cares on Him, knowing that He cares for you.